Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hey, Adam. Man, remember last last week when we were like so optimistic about the new year? (laughs) I don't even want to say anything because I'm going to be real. Guys, we're recording this on Friday the 7th Mm. of January. The eighth. Uh, eighth, the eighth. eighth. Time has no meaning. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Um, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. We're record. We normally record on Tuesdays, so we're already behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything's everything's wild now. I'm desperately afraid of saying anything uh, because I don't know what's gonna be like when it's Monday. Yeah, let's uh, not jinx anything. Let's not say anything one way or another. Except for man, the days leading up to recording this have been quite quite eventful oh sure Um, and you know uh but we've got we've got some eventful stuff here on battle of the atom uh to talk about yeah Uh, we sure do uh and i figure what better way to unwind than uh you know after a, a terrifying week than you know curl up with some chuck austin comics that's a real fun way to end the week Okay, guys, I didn't tell Adam that we were doing Chuck Austin <laughs> comics this week. I'm like, let me pull this up on Marvel Unlimited. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, baby. It's Chuckles the Truckles. He just keeps coming back to get us. Um, well, we're not going to start with uh, Mr. Austin here. We're going to start we're not. with uh, Mr. Morrison. We are, because uh, this week we are talking all about uh, the one and only Lorna Dane. Uh, mm. She's Polaris. She was... Uh, a major character in the TV show The Gifted, which again no one watched, and I stopped watching. Never finished the second season. But, Never uh, finished the second season. Lorna was one of the good parts. Great, great characterization, great uh, performance there. But she, uh, stuck on a show that could only use some X people, and it was a short list. <laughs> is it? It. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I said it before. It's very weird that there were multiple shows going on at the same time, uh, The Gifted and Legion, about Professor X and Magneto's kids, and Legion eventually used the words Professor Xavier yes. in season three of the TV show, mm-hmm. and The Gifted never got around to mentioning Magneto's name. I don't think they ever did that by by name, but um, Lorna is... Uh... Is definitely Magneto's daughter, not in question. Uh, unlike, well, ha- that has been in question in continuity, hasn't it? Like, <sighs> okay, one... so this is unrelated to anything. Yeah. Um, who Magneto's actual kids are varies so much. So starting out, <laughs> Magneto has no kids. Right. He's just evil supervillain. Mm-hmm. Then you find out that, oh, no, Polaris is his daughter. Makes sense. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just a trick. And then it's like, oh, was it? Hmm. And then it's actually 
these are my daughter and my son. They are twins. They are uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And then maybe Polaris is my daughter. Maybe she's not. Hmm. And then, then it's like, oh, I actually had another daughter, uh, and she died in a fire. It was Oof. not great. No, actually, a really brutal. sad time. Yeah. And then, then I murdered a lot of people. I being Magneto here. And then yeah. I think it was Lorna is definitely his daughter was the next step of that. And so were Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and everyone had a good time. And then, and then we found out that Lorna was really dumb and thought she actually had a sister uh, named Zaladane uh, because <laughs> of how last name's <laughs> Zaladane was her first name. First name, right. <laughs> it was her only name, and Lorna was Not like, oh, Zala. that makes sense. Oh, gosh. Uh, so anyway, uh, then there was a magic spell that secretly turned out to be that Magneto didn't have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, um, which is very confusing. Uh, and I guess Lorna's his only kid now? That's Let's... that's the way it looks, and, and Wanda's the great pretender. Uh, so yeah. It's how do bad. We, how do we get into this mess? Who requested uh, that we do a Lorna show here? Oh yeah, we got off topic. Uh, <laughs> by the way, topic. guys, this will be this will be a limited editing episode because it's, it's, it's way later than we normally. We, we, edit. Got, we only got so much time here. Only got so much time here. Sorry about that. You're gonna have to deal with our ums and ums. Um, but no, Robert over on Patreon did request this. Uh, he requested one of the stories on here, and he, we talked about doing a whole Lorna episode, specifically Lorna from this era, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of a lot of. There's a lot to talk about. There Not is good, but there's a lot <laughs> to talk about. Uh, if you want to be like Robert, you can go on over to Patreon.com/slash/comicsxf. That's comics xylophone foxtrot, uh, where we can. Uh, <laughs> You know, we can do requests at the $5 a month level. You can get something added to the show. Uh, you can join. Uh, you can get some exclusive stuff on our, uh, I wanted to say Xavier Files, but no, it's the Comics XF uh, Discord, which is a lot of fun, and y'all should pop on over there if you haven't been around yet. There's a lot of people there, and it's a fun little community. Yeah. Uh, if you want exclusive things for the website, Comics XF, you can go on over there. It's a good, good time. Uh, so Robert, thank you so much. Uh, but we're not going to start here... with Robert's request because we're going to wa- work our way uh, chronologically as opposed to reverse chronologically. Right. So we're going to start with the first Lorna story of this era, and that is New X Men One Thirty Two, Ambient Magnetic Fields. This was written by Grant Morrison, uh, with pencils by Phil Jimenez, inks by Andy Lanning. In colors by Chris Chuckery. Yeah, and uh, we have a post-genocide um, Genosha. The Tri-Sentinel has laid waste at C- Cassandra Nova's command. And um, the X-Men are, are paying a visit to see what's in the rubble. Yeah, this is part of a mini-arc that Morrison does uh, where Professor Xavier and Jean go on a world tour uh, mm-hmm. To see what the rest of mutant dumb is up to, so they go to uh, they go to Paris for a little bit and find Phantom X. Uh, they find Dust a little bit later, uh, but this is this is a pit stop to Genosha. Uh, 
where they're where they're feeling some weird energy. There's talks of ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, and they're turning uh the tri sentinel is slowly being reconstructed into a monument to Magneto. Uh his face is being sculpted into the sentinel's head. So there's a there's a lot of action happening here on Genosha. Um we we've got an interesting crew here. Unus the Untouchable is here. He's he's haunted uh by these ghosts. Unus is here, Toad is here. Toad in waiting is here, which is the toad that Toad's making into a new toad, <laughs> which I had forgotten about. And that's one of those things that Morrison does really well. They will uh, pick up a small, like, dumb one-line detail. We talked about this a lot when we did the uh, uh, Here Comes Tomorrow mm-hmm. arc, yeah. where Morrison will throw out so many wild ideas very quickly. <laughs> uh and then there's also Shocker, uh, not the quilt, quilt man from Spider-Man, but Shocker from the Captain America annual uh, number four team that Jack Kirby created. That's a wild dip there. Sabra is here as well. Or Sa- Did we decide? Sabra. It's Sabra. Thank it's you. Sabra. Sa- yeah, Sabra. Sabra. Like the hummus. Um, yeah, it's Ruth Bar Center. Uh, Ruth Batsaroff. Uh Right. So we've kind of got this peacekeeping, rebuilding troop here. Um, but Lorna is here as well, floating around naked um, with the, I don't know how you want to describe this, the magnetic uh, memories of everyone that died that are like haunted. What it- uh, how would you describe this? Everyone's hearing weird noises and seeing weird things. And what we find out is these are the ambient magnetic fields of the last recording of Genosha, the last screams of everything that Magneto doing magnet things uh, helped. Right, make. right. He kind of, that was like his dying With thing. his last, yeah. That he has he has recorded all of these things, and now Lorna is floating around with these ghost-like, I don't know, clouds. That then she sort of whips around and then uses it to finish off the sculpture of Magneto. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a a, a loose thing to to describe, but at well, by the and end then, of this. And then... Then yeah, she does that and puts all of the pieces of these ambient magnetic fields together and you get the last words of Magneto. Yes. And Charles Xavier and Jean and Storm, who's there, uh, they all get to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... It's an interesting story uh, in that it it layers on some of the themes and some of the plots that Morrison would you know, started his run and would end his run with. Mm-hmm wild that Morrison does this and then also says, Hey, Magneto's not really dead. He came up with his whole plan immediately. Yeah. It's, it's strange to say the least. I mean, that they were taking this issue to say that Magneto had this last minute plan to make this, uh, elaborate, elaborate memorial to, uh, this, this Island. And yet, uh, is also going to simultaneously go off and, and become Zorn. So that 
never makes sense to me. Uh, I think we've talked about that at length. Um, unfortunately, Lorna is just kind of a, I, she's a tool. Uh, she, she's being used in, in this, you know, like, and, and this is the source of a lot of her characters trauma for the, the coming years to the, to the present really. Um, right. And it's, it's understandable, but, uh, re different writers have used that to different effects in very strange ways. Well, and I don't, I don't want to put all that blame on Morrison because what they're doing is looking at a specific relationship that Lorna has with Magneto, mm -hmm. which can work for this story, and a specific power set that works really well. That's something that Morrison liked doing is finding weird ways to put that stuff together. Yeah. And I think – I don't think they do anything in this story to necessarily harm Lorna. Mm -mm. I I, I think Lorna could have come back to the X-Men and said, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> and not have done all of the bad things that happened next. Right. Uh, how do you how do you feel about Phil Jimenez's art um, in this one? You know what? I, I think Jimenez is a, is a pretty good artist, actually. Um, it's obviously not stylistically a match for what Quitely does. But in terms of being sort of a, a house fill-in artist, um, I think he does a pretty good job. Um, Listen, I like I like his stuff better than Igor Cordy, who does a lot of stuff right before him. Oof. And uh, Cordy Ethan is Van rough. Shiver, who's the other fill-in artist. Yeah, if it, if it had just been uh, Jimenez, I, I think we might remember some of these issues a lot better. Because, you know, the, the Cordy stuff is, is oof, it's really rough. And uh, the less we say about EVS, the better. Um, but uh, I, I think I think Kimenez is doing a, a pretty good job here, actually. It's um, sort of capturing this era and, and the looks of the characters. But overall, as a story, it's it's. I feel like it should be more memorable than it is, but um, it's it's not gonna last with people as much as some of the other arcs. Um, I think it's I think it's some interesting ideas that aren't executed as well as other things in Morrison's run. Right, right. So um, we have quite a few Morrison arcs now on um, on the big old list. On which, on what list? Uh, which has what like four hundred and fifty three stories on it now? What are we up to? You're yeah. talking about our big list of all the X-Men stories that we've been ranking from best to, to worst, where we have 453 stories. That's wild. Uh, the number one story on the list is House of X, Powers of Ten. Uh, number 100 on the list is the Bendis arc of Ultimate X-Men, where they go to Limbo. Mm -hmm. uh, the 200th story on the list is X-Men Gold 30, a wedding that gets stolen by Gambit. Uh 300 is Savage Wolverine 12 and 13 come conquer the beast which is that Phil Jimenez it could be which one oh Savage Wolverine 12 and 13 Ooh. I feel like it might be keep it talking is. it is it's Phil Jimenez uh, oh yeah that was Jimenez the one with the, writes, uh, the writes and draws it yeah the poachers yep. right yeah 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 uh, and I think it's better than that so but to finish off to finish off what we were saying, the 400th story on this list is X-Men The Hidden Year 6 and 7, and 453 is the Draco. We'll get back to that. 
<laughs> yes, we will. Um, yeah. I, I think this is better than 300, which is that Phil Jimenez uh, story. I would agree, but I think it's poachers. probably in the bottom half of the 200s. You know, like at 250, um, we have Happenings in Vegas. Uh, the first arc of the second volume of Exiles is around here. Um, well, our lowest our lowest new X-Men story right now uh, is at 238, Here Comes Tomorrow. And I think Here Comes Tomorrow, which is wild. It's still better than this, though. I mean, it, yes. it's throwing stuff at the wall, and who knows what's stuck. But, um, you know, I'm just working my way down, and, like, the stuff around Uncanny 350 I like better than this. Um, the, the first trial of Mag... Maggot or the first trial of uh, the first maggot in the trial of Gambit. Yes, you like better? I do. I do. I think we're I think we're getting close. We to are the right in the spot, right area. Um, I I probably like this better than number two sixty one, which is Dark Rain the List Wolverine number one. Yeah, how do you feel about it? What's right above that is the Weapon X arc where Sabretooth gets a, a a tiger cub. What do What do you like better? I think if the I think if Weapon X had Ricardo Lopez Ortiz doing all of the oh art, yeah that's true instead of just the last last <laughs> couple, I would like it better. Okay. But the first chunk of that arc does drag a little bit. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know if it's as good as when Cannonball fights Gladiator though in Uncanny no. three forty one to three forty four. No, I would put it between those two. Perfect. So this is going to be our new two sixty. New X-Men this will be 132. Ambient Magnetic Fields. It's a great. That's sounds like a, a nice band name. Like I mean there's the Magnetic Fields, but yeah, there could there's be the, already the Magnetic there Fields. There could be the uh, there could be the Ambient Magnetic Magnetic Fields. I don't know. They're just going to talk about the feelings around the Book of Love. <laughs> um maybe we can talk around Chuck Austin stories. Uh we have We can't. In fact, we have to <laughs> Hey, hey Adam, do you think that Polaris and Havoc would have played Book of Love at their wedding? Man, I, I couldn't tell you because these don't even feel like those characters to me. It's so, the so, book of so love bizarre. is long and boring. <laughs> uh, but they, they are going to take some sacred vows here in Uncanny X-Men 425 and 426. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot happening. Oh my God, so much to unpack. Literally right before this is Holy War, mm. which is bad. So bad. We've already talked about it. That one's really bad. Mm. Uh, this is Chuck Austin and Philip Tan uh, with uh, Avalon Studios does the colors on this one. Um, oof. So, Adam, here's the... Uh... <laughs> here's the... <laughs> Go ahead. 425 is an incredibly dense comic. Like... I'm trying to lay out the plot points between these two issues. So much happens in 425. Uh, it's it's true because we are... I mean, that's the whole bachelorette, bachelor party. It's also the wedding. The whole wedding? It's actually the whole wedding, the wedding, is wedding also itself. There. Um, it's the reveal that Annie and Havoc have been in a relationship somehow. And it's also the confrontation between Annie and Iceman in which she calls him a racist homophobe. Whoa. That's a lot for one issue, right? (laughs) 
That's a lot for one issue. So here's here's the thing. After Havoc, we've not we've not talked much about Annie. Now that I nurse Annie, we've not <sighs> we've not talked about nurse Annie on this on this program. We have no, we at have length. we have, but when? not not at length. Not um, at length. We may have mentioned her. Yeah. So. Because we've not covered the start of the Austin run. Let's start there. This is not in the issue. But uh, Havoc went into the alternate world of Mutant X for a while. Mm -hmm. And he came back and he was in a coma for a little bit. Or more his body was comatose while his mind was in Mutant X world. It's fine. Anyway, that that series had to get canceled. So he comes back. (laughs) uh, But for about a year... This nurse named Annie was taking care of him in ethically dubious ways because she, like, thought she was dating him a little bit. He was comatose. Right. Right. So that's weird. It's going to get weirder, Zach. It is. (laughs) Anyway, she comes to... She is in love with him. Takes him to the X-Mansion when he wakes up. Decides that the X-Men need a nurse because Chuck Austin forgot about Cecilia Reyes, who's not a nurse. She's a medical doctor, but that's fine. Uh, And Annie and her son Carter become supporting characters. Annie hates mutants. Right. She is an (laughs) anti-mutanist. Yeah, uh, it's, it's bad. Her son, there's some weird subplots that never go anywhere with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so best best to leave that ignored. Well, we'll, we'll get to uh, that because he is a mutant. And, oh, yeah. Um, that does factor heavily into this particular story. Um, because, yeah. spoiler alert, <laughs> they actually have been in a relationship for the past year because... The son while, Carter. While Havoc is engaged to Polaris, by right, the way. Right. While Polaris Havoc is engaged to Polaris. Um But Carter, this child, has <laughs> essentially arranged for Annie and Havoc to be psychically dating each other uh in all of these different global locales. So uh, he has have, been, you, he have has you seen the creating. movie? Have you seen the movie Serenity, Zach? Not not the yeah. Firefly movie. Then no. Okay. Uh, okay. So for anybody that does not want to hear me spoil a really terrible, fairly recent Matthew McConaughey movie, just like fast forward a minute. But does Matthew movie... McConaughey say a Zen like anthem and then get speared <laughs> through the chest in a very depressing way? This is the movie where we find out that um, that Matthew McConaughey is trapped inside of a fishing video game that has been programmed by his son. And inside the video game, he is trying to get his mother uh, to kill his abusive stepfather. Um, This... (laughs) I'm sorry. Hold on, because what you just said was wild. Uh Uh-huh. But it's not that so different he, from wait, what we're talking about here. Because you're saying that there's no, but this is no, it's different <laughs> because this is a movie with Matthew McConaughey, Mr. Guy who and, really likes Lincoln cars. And Anne Hathaway. Very high star potential in this movie. You're telling me that this child programs Sega Bass Fishing 2 yes. to be a murder simulator? Yes. 
Yes. And... Oddly similar to this arc. And, wait for it, uh, He there is a scene in the movie where the Matthew McConaughey simulation has sex with the Anne Hathaway simulation, which means that he programmed that scene. So when we have little Carter here, who is probably what, like 10 years old at the most, um, at the most. planning these romantic dates, it's it's not dissimilar from that. It is very, very, yeah. very creepy. He is, he is the conduit to allow his mom to get dream laid by Havoc? <sighs> It, it really does appear that way. And, um, and his mom sucks, by the way. Annie's not a good character. No, no. Uh, but everyone loves her. Iceman dates her in this. Moments. For a hot minute. Moments after she calls him a racist homophobe. Yeah, that scene is Let's, terrible. Yeah, so we keep saying that. She calls him a homophobe because something he didn't know North Star was gay. Right. Which, okay. okay, that's on him. Right. But I don't I don't think he was being particularly homophobic, though I was rolling my eyes so hard about this whole thing. Uh, she also repeats every bad Twitter argument about how Krakoa is an ethnostate now <laughs> directly <laughs> to Bobby. Like, well, you just care about mutants and you're just a mutant person. What would you do if there was just a human? You think you mutants are so much better than us humans. You're a racist against humans. You have reverse racism, Bobby Drake. Then they make out. Right. With some very, very bad Oakleys uh, on, on <laughs> Mr. Drake. Okay, it's, that's just that's just what Bobby Drake wore for a while because he was cosplaying oh, as Joe Casey. God, and the art is so bad. Philip Tan. Oh, Philip Tan is man. He's doing these. Would weird... you rather? Yeah, go ahead. Would you rather have Philip Tan or Brett Booth? Because they're very similar in style, it, in that they use a billion lines. Look, there. <laughs> for all of Brett Booth's um, character weaknesses, shall we say? And I'm, I don't want to impugn anyone, but um, I would much rather look at a Brett Booth piece of artwork than I would at these Philip Tan, whatever this is. They both have I tendencies would to lack internal organs of, of characters. Um, but Philip Tan is all over the place. There's, pl- there's this po- Bobby panel I'm looking at right now. His shoulders look as big as the juggernauts and his head looks like a little olive. You know, when people are foreshortened, when, when eyes, when faces are foreshortened and you're looking at them from above or below, they look absolutely insane. Um, there's, there's a splash at the end of, uh, 425. It's of Lorna and we have to, we've got to get to the actual plot at some point because it's also buck wild. This is what happens when we talk about Chuck Austin comics. There's so much to focus on. There's too much happening, too much happening. And it's it's all wild and it's all horrible. And it's all bad. <laughs> There's with like with like a Peter David comic. There's like one bad thing to focus on per thing. Right, right, right. With right. this, there's like a billion in every direction, and they're buck wild. So there's a but there's a splash at the end of it, and I stared at it for like a good five minutes because it's Lorna up in the air, like doing an attack pose. Mm-hmm. But everything about where her body is, 
is nuts. It looks like she's both leaning back with her, like, stomach, but then leaning forward with her head, and one of her knees is super far out, and, like, it's it's just... It doesn't make sense. bad art. It does it's, not it's, make sense. <laughs> I'll, accept, I'll accept mediocre art if I can just keep reading. Mm-hmm. This art actively pulls me out of the story, and I dislike that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I'm fine to be pulled out of the story. It's it's not it's not a good story, um, because you're right. <laughs> at the end of 425, Lorna uh, basically sucks up all the metal um, at the wedding. Um, I, I'm assuming she does not suck up Zorn's helmet. Uh, Zorn is in attendance at this wedding. Um, I like to think that Magneto was like, no. <laughs> gonna keep this one on that could have been awkward right and uh appears in uh, she transforms all this metal into a makeshift magneto costume and then goes off to try and kill havoc and uh annie and carter i guess um yeah so we we should run this back just one second because they have they have this bachelor party in a bachelorette party. Oh, I forgot about that. We have to talk. About, yeah, we have to talk about that. We okay, have to ahead. because it informs why Polaris does that absolutely insane thing you just described. That is true. Let's start with the bachelor party. No, let's start with the bachelorette party. Oh my gosh, all of this is bad. Uh, there's Zach, a bachelorette. Zach, we party. have another one of these stories after this. Oh, I know. <laughs> Chuckles the truckles. Why? All right. Um, Go to the bachelorette. So there's a bachelorette party, and Husk, who's like a teenager, is there. Uh, Jubilee is there. Jubilee's there. Phoenix is there. Polaris is there. Danny Moonstar, it says, is listed as there. I don't remember that at all. Hard to tell. What a weird group. Um, Amazing that Polaris did not invite Emma Frost, who would defo want to do bachelorette party stuff. Um, anyway, they go to a strip club, and Jean gets a gambit stripper. Yes, <laughs> for Polaris, who it's said later that Polaris went home with the gambit stripper, uh, because she was just talking. She doesn't sound like Polaris, and I know Polaris has no. had a lot of a lot of disjointed continuity and characterization, but she sounds like a completely different character. Uh, and that's weird. And this is not shaming her for that, but uh, it's a, it's it's a bad look for a character. To like, okay, well, it's justified that Alex doesn't want to be with her now because look, she cheated on him. Mm. Like, it's it's thrown out there for no reason. I'm 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 fine with the Scott cheated on Gene with Emma story because I think that's a good story. This is just thrown out there for no reason. Uh, so that's bad. At the same time. The, the guys have a bachelor party for Havoc. Oof. And Cyclops decides to morally test his brother by making a shape-shifting stripper look like Nurse Annie. So I do think Cyclops would absolutely do this <laughs> to his little brother. Because what a baller move on Cyclops to be like, listen, Alex... I don't know how to tell you this. I've I had a bad first marriage. I want to make sh- I don't I don't think you're going into this with the right attitude. I want to I want to make sure 
that uh, that Polaris doesn't turn into a demon sorceress and unleash literal hell on New York City. Oh my god. I would like that little brother. And if they would have actually said that in the comic, I would have respected this so much more. But that's just me trying to make this make sense. Uh, because instead, Havoc does this weird, like, how could you ever? She is so pure. How could you do anything to make me think that Nurse Annie could have breasts? <laughs> and it's it's bad. It's bad when all of the X-Men start talking to the shapeshifter about what she could change oh, into. I hate that. I hate it. Um, some of it's just silly things, like North or Nightcrawler's like, Hey, go make go turn into a redhead for Logan. Right. And Logan says something for Nightcrawler that I forget. And then Hank says, Yeah, Tigra? and turn into an underage girl for Oh yeah, Tigra. Hank says turn into Tigra. Which okay. I can understand he's looking for that would be a weird pairing. We should explore that on a different furry <laughs> podcast. Uh but then someone tells her to turn into an underage girl for uh for archangel um which reminds me of another horrible chuck austin thing that doesn't get addressed much in this run which is his relationship with husk the teenage child yes not covering that today nope that's when we do she lies with angels and whatever stories lead up to that uh anyway havoc realizes at the altar that he doesn't want to marry nurse or he doesn't want to marry polaris he wants to date Nurse Annie, and Polaris takes that poorly and does want to do a murder on everybody. Yes. So Lorna follows after them. Uh, we get the big reveal that this uh, relationship has happened via their, uh, this little boy. And then Juggernaut appears and just knocks the hell out of Lorna. And uh, Havoc and Annie decide to get her in an X-Jet, leave Carter with a babysitter, and fly to Paris and make out on the Eiffel Tower. The end. <laughs> This is And then garbage. it's the Draco. The next thing to happen is the Draco. I know. We go from holy war to this to a really bad one shot where they mourn skin, but somehow get his name wrong. This they get his actual Christian name incorrect. Jesus Christ. This is how Chuck Austin does arcs. These are arcs to him. <laughs> I appreciate that Chuck Austin either does a two-issue arc or a four-billion-issue arc and nothing in between. <laughs> All right. This is bad. How bad is it? It's, um, it's it's atrocious. The art's horrible. Every plot decision is baffling. Mm. Like, I think people need to read Chuck Austin, one, so that they can remember that, no, actually, everything about the Chuck Austin art run is bad we're not just beating a very dead horse no and i understand i understand people have been making fun of chuck austin's x-men for coming up on two decades now it deserves every criticism it does every criticism every criticism um at our bottom story is the draco and this is not the lowest point of chuck austin's X-Men. nope it's not as bad as holy war at 451 451 is holy war um what i'm looking for is because we have we have a couple other chuck austin stories on our list um where's the one where they do the the chuck austin uh zorn one that's got to be higher day of the atom uh yeah that's x-men 157 to 160 that's, that's a, at 367. Yeah, I think this is worse than that. 
I do too. I think that might actually be the high point of Chukov's <laughs> The last thing he did, the second the last, no, the last thing he did is also horrible because it ruins the only good character dynamic he had in that entire dang book. Yeah. Um. This is this is worse than Poptopia at three eighty two easily. Um. I think this might be worse than at three ninety six. The first six issues of Emma Frost Higher Learning. Yeah, I do too. Um. It's worse than Origins. Origins is just boring at yeah. 413. Yep, I would agree. Um, X-Men Forever by Fabian at, two, or at 428. Well, I feel like I'd give the edge to Fabian. He's He did his homework for that. You know what I mean? Like, the characters don't even feel like the characters here. And at least, mm-hmm. at least Fabes did some, like, continuity homework for that, especially even if it's bad. Um my floor, I think, is Eve of Destruction at 433. Okay. Because below that, you get incompetently made or actually offensive comics. And this is just... It's bad. Oh, I mean, this one is incompetently made. Sure. I, I... I think I think it's probably better than eve of destruction it's definitely better than the x-men animation special that's right below it yeah i would say so um i don't i don't know though is it even as good as the silver age avx at 432 silver age avx is pretty bad and does have a weird aside where warren finds an island of bird people oh i like those bird people i heard those bird people came back Somebody I'm told sure me they that. did. I'm I'm sure Roy Thomas <laughs> brought back something from Golden Age continuity. <laughs> I would I would put money on that. Right. Um, is it? I think this is four thirty is a couple spots above it, and it's the Shatterstar Saga. Mm-hmm. And then right below that's Apocalypse the Twelve. <laughs> We're in the right spot. We are. We are. Um, you know what? I'll it's, I'll say it's a little better than the 12. What do you think? I think it's better than... I think it's... Listen, it's probably better than the Shatterstar Saga. There you go. It's not as good as the Marvel Superheroes special 6 through 8 where Roy Thomas comes back and does a freaking... Uh, Unrecognizable. Outback era yeah. story. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about what's going on. Jeez, oh, Roy the boy. All right, so this is our new 430. It is, it is. We got to talk about the last story on our list, which is better Chuck Austin comics, but also I think mostly because it's just less baffling. I understand why he's making the bad decisions he's making here, but they're still bad. Yeah, this is um, also bad. Um, This is (laughs) of Darkest Nights, which is um, Uncanny X-Men 442. 442. And 443. Yep, this was our request. This is what Robert uh, wanted us to talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's Chuck Austin and Salvador Roca. Uh, Danny Miki does the inks on this Udon Colors. I can't get I can't get as mad about this request. If if the request was Sacred Vows, I'd be it'd be more angry. This one is just basically um, the. Uh, Magneto reveal has happened. Magneto has laid Mm -hmm. waste to New York and um, Wolverine and Professor X are being escorted by shield to Genosha to bury Magneto's body 
Wolverine and Professor X basically get into a big argument that then turns into a big argument between Xavier and Lorna. And that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, so we got to we got to place this in continuity. This was published in June 2004. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at that, New Morrison's time on New X-Men had ended by now. Right. Uh, and this is the, like, two-issue arc that, at the same time this is coming out, there's that two-issue arc that Chuck Austin did of New X-Men to wrap up the series. That's kind of a nothing story mm-hmm. about the fallout from the Magneto stuff. So let's be clear. At this point, because Excalibur launches in the next month, they have understood that actually they're going to retcon everything that happened with Zornito. Yeah. That that retcon is already coming. Like they they know there are pages drawn. Mm-hmm. They know. Yeah. And yet <laughs> and yet we get two issues that start out with Wolverine yelling at Professor Xavier on a plane cuz he doesn't want to bury Magneto because Magneto did a genocide. Fair. And then that then killed Gene specifically. Mm-hmm. And then Wolverine cut his head off. You wonder why Wolverine is even here, to be honest with you. Like, in what what is the reasoning behind Logan accompanying Xavier on this trip? It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, if, if Professor X really still feels so strongly about burying his buddy who just, like, massacred a city then great, go do your thing. But I have no idea why Wolverine is here just to spend, give him the silent treatment on the way there and then argue with him for an issue so that we waste some time before uh, Lorna shows up with uh, Pietro and Wanda. And then it's, it's, it's Xavier and Lorna arguing for an issue. Yeah. So how many days after uh, Magneto's attack on New York do you think this was? Was this more than a week? It doesn't feel that. I mean, I almost think it wouldn't. It would be very, very quick because Magneto is Jewish. Right. Even if he's not like an actively practicing uh, Jewish man, they would they would follow Jewish burial traditions. Mm -hmm. So let's assume that less than 24 hours ago, Professor Xavier was very much naked in a tube watching Magneto destroy everything and he wants to give his friend a very honorable burial in the country that his friend was running as a tyrannical dictator. Sure is sure is weird, right? Like sure is it weird. The way Professor X is written here doesn't make a dang bit of sense. So the arguments that he gets into here and, I and can't the, even, like, vocalize his arguments. They don't make sense. No, they don't make sense. It's like, we should respect him. And it's like, Charles, I know that we should respect Claremont Magneto. And I know that we should respect, like, post-2011, 2009-ish, second coming Magneto. Right. But not this one. Not the way yeah, the Morrison. Nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety two to two thousand four Magneto. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't want to be on his side. Maybe. <laughs> maybe the 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 amount of genocide that he did was too much. Yeah, 
Um, it, it's it's a baffling set of of arguments in here, especially when oh, the, the culmination of them is that the Tri Sentinel that got turned into Magneto, <laughs> Lorna makes into like a weird sculpture with Magneto, helmetless Magneto, Professor X, and a a Phoenix symbol. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Can we talk about that's after Wolverine in the middle of this argument scales the giant statue with his claws mm-hmm. while arguing to slice it up. Yep. He he decides to to do a little damage there. So he's he's acting like a petulant child mm-hmm. uh and breaking breaking toys. And then Lorna comes in the argument that Lorna and Professor X have is not about you should bury Magneto or you shouldn't. It's Hey, uh, Magneto was right, and I'm going to do more genocide now, Professor X. I'm Lorna. I will be back on the X-Men in an issue. I want to do genocide now. Well, but it is kind of... She says... Yeah. She's like, Magneto should have killed a lot of people. Maybe maybe Magneto should have killed more people. Yeah. I mean, she's trying to justify his actions based on Cassandra Nova's actions, um, but then concludes the the argument by saying i don't want to kill you professor x and like go in peace i guess it's it's very odd and i i I find it all of it doesn't seem to and i to a certain extent i i feel for for anybody that has to like write their way out of what morrison did with magneto because it, it makes sense with eve of destruction and where magneto was before um Morrison started like it, writing his I book. I think it We've makes been sense with that. like Fatal Attraction. Magneto. Exactly. We've been over that. That does make sense. It tracks. Um, but having to try to write a story like this and it just seems like above Chuck's like pay grade here. You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. think that at this stage in his career and, you know, we've talked about the fact that he's gone on to find success in animation and we're very happy for you mr austin um but this you know chuck austin used to work at lucasfilm before comics (laughs) yeah (laughs) i did not know that until i read it while reading miracle man this week that mentions it weird chuck austin does like one fill-in thing for miracle man interesting miracle man's miracle man is actually a good first two parts and then a third part that just loses me Never read Honestly, that. The original writer, it, it's very unrelated to all this. It's very informative of Alan Moore mm-hmm. uh, and his view of how superheroes specifically would occur. Uh, and like you can see what what the coolest thing about it is you can read it and see exactly where he would further develop very similar ideas in both Captain Britain and in Watchmen. Mm. Uh, but there's also a lot of not great stuff in that comic that I didn't enjoy. Uh, both content-wise, and then it just gets real boring and esoteric for a while, where the last issue is Miracle Man saying, and this is how you make Utopia. Oh, that's strange, but... It's, it's not that great. <laughs> that part, that part's whatever. I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if this, these two issues had ended with a similar uh, send-off, because... It's just all over the map, and it, it doesn't 
doesn't resolve anything. It doesn't make any real points. It's just sort of talking around something for a while. And Okay, I, wait, one more thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, before we get to LaRocca, which we will. One more thing. I just realized based on timeline. Professor X knows that that's not Magneto's body in there. Professor Charles Xavier knows Magneto's not dead because Magneto's going to show up the next month. Right. And be like, hey, bud, whose body's that? <laughs> it's not mine. We both know that because we planned on meeting here. Right. Oh, right. So. Yeah. So. What's the friggin deal with these two issues, man? I don't know. They're they're filler and they're they're meant to be some kind of poignant and they are most definitely not and LaRocca's art doesn't do anybody any favors here it's very static um LaRocca's done worse honestly oh sure sure but it's, I'm graded on a curve there it's it's just you know it's a talking heads issue that also has a very weird if you go to the the first page of 443, it's literally a view from Lorna's crotch up to her face. Um, it's it's Laroca, what you doing, buddy? <laughs> what's what's going on here, buddy? But uh, this isn't your best work. Anyway, uh, this is not as bad, I think, as Sacred Vows. But um, how do you feel about it against something like 422 Magneto Rex? Probably better than Magneto Rex, right? I mean, Magneto Rex is pretty pointless as well. Um, I don't think it's as good as X-Men Liberators, which is not very good. Okay, then. I'll put it between those two. Perfect. I don't care. Oh, that solved that. That was great. Oh. This is our new 440 or 422? Yes. Yes, it is. We're, one of these days, we're going to be done with Chuck Austin comics. I feel like that would be a bigger accomplishment than just about anything else we could do on this show is just to, to have I don't know. Austin in the rear view. <laughs> I don't know. Cause we're on the road to 500 Adam. We are, we are, we are on our way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? We're not there yet. We've got a little bit more to go and we're really excited on the journey that we are going to go on. Uh, but this journey has come to a close. So I want to thank a few people. I want to thank Robert for going on over to patreoncom slash comics XF uh, through money our way. Appreciate that. All of that money goes directly to the contributors of Comics XF, paying for quality independent comic book journalism. What what? And also funny jokes about Taylor Swift. We actually had some really <laughs> cool stuff that went up on the site. Uh, uh, there's a really, uh, as far as silly goes, there's an interview I did with Jonathan Hickman where I only talk about charts with him. That was uh, great. So that's a blast. That was great. I was I was so happy about that. That was great. I I told people I pitched it to him saying. Hey, I don't want to talk about anything except for charts. You in? And he said, okay. And then I snuck a question about football in there because I figured he wouldn't mind. That's like candy. The, yeah, but then he predicted like the game to... wrong, didn't he? Didn't well, Clemson lose? He... <laughs> Clemson Clemson did lose to the Ohio State University Buckeyes. I'm allowed to be an Ohio State fan because I'm from Ohio. It's the only school that we cheer for. There it's fine, folks. It's fine. I'm just very blessed. Uh, uh, tonight they tonight they play in the national championship game against uh, Alabama. And here's one thing I can say: Ohio State has had some coaches that have had not great uh, histories. None of them have tried to commit treason recently. So uh, a a plus for Ohio State. <laughs> Go screw yourself, Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> uh, speaking of um, 
of critical thinking around recent acts of, of treason. Um, I, I would like to just highlight Jude Jones's piece from this week mm-hmm. uh, on the more serious side and absolutely outstanding yes. and astute um, reaction piece. So uh, check that one out. And anything else you want to, you want to plug for the, the, the site? No, those were the two I was going to plug. I knew it. Uh, there's, there's actually the last week in some change that we've been doing. The uh, new site has been absolutely fantastic. I'm so overwhelmed by the response we've gotten, some of the incredible work that's gone out. I feel like everyone working on the site has stepped up their game mm-hmm. now. Like, I legitimately feel like maybe it's just me noticing, but something clicked. I, I am so proud of every one of the writers for that on our team and it's great. So would love it. If you would support it, you get cool benefits. Like I mentioned the discord, uh, I'm going to be popping on over there right after I finish this to go chat with some folks. Cause it's a fun time. Uh, it's just a good thing. Go check that out. Any level is fine. Uh, hey, Adam, where can people find you on the internet? You guys can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and, uh, Zach, what are we doing next week? Next week, we have a very special interview, uh, with, uh, Vita Ayala, we're really excited to have Vita back. Yeah, it's been, it's been too a while. long. And have you read their new mutants? It's so good. It is awesome. We're gonna get into some yeah. Shadow King content. Woo! Listen, I've got. We we. If y'all are looking for spoilers, I don't know. No. I don't know why you would come to us. No. We don't do that. No. And here's the thing: most interviews don't do that. I don't know why <laughs> you would expect it. That's not. That's not a thing that interviews do. No. So stop asking. Yes. But uh, we're excited about that. Uh, it's going to be a load of fun. Uh, oh, and then if you want if you want to ask questions for that, uh, make sure you uh, Tuesday, probably the day after this goes up, uh, be checking out the ComicsXF Twitter at ComicsXF. Uh, and I'll be putting out a call for questions. You all can, uh, you all can throw some stuff our way. Uh, and Vita's way. Don't ask about spoilers. And don't ask where your favorite character is or when they're <laughs> going to show up. Because that's a boring question. It's just not fun. It's not fun. And the answer is just wait. Because there's so much stuff they're throwing at us. It's crazy. Everything has shown up on Krakoa at this point. Uh, there's there's a book where part of the preview image is Loa and DJ. Irrelevant <laughs> characters. Let's be fair. Wow. There's Loa fans out there. Watch yourself. There's Loa fan out there, and I checked. They moved on on their Twitter account. Oh. They always asked where Aloni Ryan Loa was. Well, there, there you go. Well, but we're we're gonna move on, <laughs> I think, and end this episode. Adam, it was so fun. It was. We 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 but learned un- a lot. Until next time, guys. This has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!